Welcome to Faith Fondue, a new podcast featuring me, author and speaker, Haley DiMaria, and teacher and blogger, Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics, ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Each week will feature a theme, and the theme for this week's episode is love. And welcome to week three. Hey, Haley. Happy second Sunday in Advent. You too. It is the week of December 6th. So last week, our theme was hope, and today we'll be talking about love. Um, as we kind of navigate through the flame, where we talk about what's cooking, what's hot, we'll move into the meat part of our presentation, spiritual stew, and conclude with the melting pot, our cheesy stories, nuggets of inspiration, pieces of perspective, and call to action items. So Haley, I thought it'd be nice just to loop back to last week, our theme was hope, and if anything came up for you. Now, I know in that, in talking about that theme of hope, we had discussed the nativity scene, um, the crash exhibit and, and whatnot. And I've really enjoyed seeing your daily postings of the nativity scenes that you and your family have in your home. Is there one that's your favorite? As you kind of share these, yeah. So that uh, that's been fun for me. After our after last week talking to you, I started thinking about how many do I really have. Um, so I am doing a, a countdown to the nativity. So and there are twenty four different nativity scenes in my house from different places we've traveled, and I've been posting one each day on on Facebook and Instagram. But it's it's been really fun to look at them and remember them. I still think for me, my favorite. Um, is my little Lego nativity. Um, we keep it up all year. It is just, it, it's really, you know, the Holy Family. It's Joseph, Mary, and baby Jesus. Um, but it's in a room in our house that I go to every day. So I see it 365 days a year. And it just makes me smile because with two boys, we grew up with a lot of, a lot of Lego in our house. And um, while it may not be a traditional nativity, it just, it reminds me, of my family uh, more so than than a trip that I've taken. So so for me, it's the Lego one. Uh, just it makes me smile. Well, it is hard not to smile when you see it, Haley. And I don't know if you've ever seen the, the Lego movie, but there's that song. Everything is awesome, and I hope I don't trouble our listeners by getting that song in your head because it's it's hard to get out once it's in there. But um, it has been a fun just thing to look for every day i'm wondering you know the story behind your nativity scene and you know um the commentary you've added so thank you for that and um it also links to last week we talked about the crush exhibit um, posted by the mcgrath institute at the university of notre dame one of our listeners my friend eileen um, followed up with the show notes and loved seeing those um, that are posted there and uh, looking for those nativity scenes actually led her to a series um, called Saturday with the Saints. Um, people who've been to the University of Notre Dame during football weekends might be familiar with that tradition. On game day, they're um, on Saturdays, obviously, they have faculty members will speak um, through the Center for Social Concerns or maybe now the McGrath Institute for Church Life. And the most recent uh, talk was on St. Nicholas, and his feast day is today, December 6th. So 
I know for some people that day has real meaning. Uh, people leave out their shoes. Uh, Haley, is that something that you and your family have participated in or does it have meaning for you? So, Anne, we haven't done that. Um, I know my boys had done it at school when they were younger. And, um, you know, when they were going through religious education, their classes at the Naval Academy, it was something that was very important that they learned there. Um, but it's one of the things that I've, I always wish I had done. Um, was was put more importance on that. You know, we we definitely as parents and a family got caught up in Santa Claus and some of those more commercial aspects of Christmas when they were younger. When you have you know kids, it's it's kind of a fun thing to do um, while trying to, um, of course, teach them the real meaning of Christmas with our nativities and and mass and all of that. That's so important and more important certainly than Santa Claus. But Saint Nicholas is is kind of a a, a melding of both and. Uh, I, I do that that's something that I wish that we had incorporated um, with our family early on. So so St. Nicholas is St. Nicholas is certainly feast day and when I think about him um, and what it means for me, it's a reminder um, that it's actually never too late to go back and, and do something that you wish you had done. Um, so it, it, it's a reminder that we don't always get it right. Um, that we can try, that we can have our best intentions. Um, but I, I do wish that was something we had done more with our family when, when the kids were younger. I hear you. Well, I'd love to hear from you know our listeners if there is something that they've done and that, that has meaning for them. And I would probably, I need to check out that, um, that series as well. There's some great um, profiles and great theology, you know, great professors that are speaking on um, really inspiring people in the church. So Yeah, it is really great. And it's one of the things I think Notre Dame has done really well this year is, you know, when people can't come to campus, they're bringing campus to us. So um, it's nice that they've posted a lot of these things online for us to, to participate in when we're not there. Right. Um, I do follow a couple podcasts, and one of them is related to that theme. I, I thought of our episode on hope because it's a – program called it's formerly called why sports matter but it's now called more than a game and i've used some of their podcasts in class but this uh specific episode was precisely on hope and the two you know the host and the co-host were talking about hope and being sports fans and one is a clippers fan and the other is a raiders fan and they said you know it's just eons of mediocrity and like this feeling of every year following your team knowing it's just going to end horribly and at some point in the season you just have this you know existential cry of like why why do i follow the readers so i i say that lovingly one of my closest friends her husband is the vice president for the readers so i'm sure they could speak to that but i just thought that is such an exercise in hope that in spite of whatever outcome of the season, when a new season emerges, right, we do, we have hope. We hope that our team will, you know, um, have a great season, that you know, there'll be stories that emerge. I don't know what Jets fans are thinking since they haven't won a game this year, but, you know, to be a sports fan is probably a lot like the call to be a Christian. Keep the faith, right? You have to have hope and that's not a bad exercise. Exactly. We have, um, you know, we're Ravens fans here in Baltimore, so we've had a couple of, of good years. But uh, our, our close friends here in Annapolis are Dolphins fans. And um, 
they they are the definition of hope every season. And this year, you know, it's working out for them as they remind us all the time, you know, with the, the Dolphins being ranked higher than the, the Ravens right now. But it, it's fun to talk to them at the beginning of the season because you're right. You know, they'll always say, hey, we're undefeated right now. And they just, it is, sport is filled with hope, um, especially before people start playing. But yeah, it is. That's I love I love that analogy that being a Christian is like being a sports fan. Yeah. Um, there is always that hope. Devotion, right? Hope, yes, dedication. So well, let's move to the flame. Um, let's talk about what's hot this week. Our, our, what's hot this week is our theme. Our theme is love. Love. What a great topic. Um, you know, one thing that you and I both love, of course, is Notre Dame. We have that shared love of our alma mater, um, speaking of hoping and um, hoping for our sports. But one of the things, Anne, that I love about um, love, about the word love and the concept of love is is the many aspects of love. And uh, you know, certainly there's romantic love. There's there's love of between a parent and a child, a family member. There is friendship love. Um, we love our sports teams. You know, sometimes it's a word that gets thrown around very casually, um, but there are so many different ways um, to love, and and ultimately that is the greatest gift that we can receive um, from God. You know, he, His greatest gift to us is His love. Um, and then and we can only share our love with others, of others, of things, of adventure, of, of experiences um, because of God's grace, because of God's love. Um, so for me, I, I, I look at love as, as so, is really of all encompassing, um, you know, even loving what we do, loving our profession, loving the way we spend our days. Um, it's such, it is the ultimate gift from God. Obviously he gave us his only son. That was the ultimate act of love there. Um, but it's just a beautiful word to, to think about and really focus on, um, during the second week in Advent. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I did, I had a class as you were speaking, Haley, um, at Notre Dame, I think it was theology of marriage and, and Father Leahy was just this really loving holy cross priest and we read the four loves by c.s lewis and um that was such a, a great text right you have agape god's love storgos love of kind of you know another philia you know brotherly sisterly love and then eros that love of desire but i think there's even more you know uh types of love for in greek um and you know i remember as a kid we when i teach about you know, love, and I use the classical definition of love by Aquinas to will the good of the other, right? And the example I would use would be, um, you know, when I was in seventh grade, I, I, I did, I loved um, the diary of Anne Frank. And I, I really found learning about the Holocaust to be quite meaningful and profound and, and difficult, right? But um, in the concentration camp, she would make sure her daughters, so Margot and Anne, ate before she did, right? To will the good of the other, that they would eat, and she might not. Um, you know, it's an act that was selfless, and, um, you know, and, and when you're totally challenged, so that was an act of love. And um, I remember when I was little, when we would say, oh, I love pizza, and then we'd joke, well, do you want to marry pizza? Right? Like, there'd be this, you know, just, we were aware as children that there are different types of love. Um, and, and we know, know that, that people, people do put 
their own needs, you know, second to those of other people. Um, we probably get that from our parents that do that for us, that they're modeling God's unconditional love um, and how important that is um, because God loves us first and that enables us to love. Um, I think it was something I read about, like the theological virtue of love. It was likening it to like, and, and this resonates with teenagers, um, you don't really like this person, you kind of, yeah, you don't like them in class, you think that they might be maybe not trustworthy or fun or whatever it may be, and then you find out they think you're really funny. You find out that they really respect you and they value your opinion. And suddenly what happens, right? A lot of times our attitude towards that person changes, right? And that's just a very rudimentary way of kind of seeing or understanding like, if there's a, a source of love that's reaching out to us, and that being God, right? How can we respond? And then, and ultimately, what does it enable us to do? It's um, it's a beautiful way to kind of think of God is love, right? That that active verb. Well, and it's such a gift when you know you're loved. Um, you know, it's 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 the ultimate gift, really, to to know that someone loves you beyond themselves. Um, and so we all, we need to remind ourselves, you know, as much as we love, appreciate the, the love we receive from a friend or the love we receive from a spouse or a child or, um, you know, a, a colleague, you know, who, who would show us that genuine love of, of kindness. Um, we need to be as open to God's love as we are to others love and, and to see them all as to see them all as gifts. Yeah, yeah, the word you said there, you know, speaks to me as like the openness, right? And um, yeah, love finds us in interesting people and places. Um, today is my, well, you have a sister named Mary Frances, and one of my closest friends um, is Mary Frances. Today's her birthday, so I reached out to her, and I still remember first meeting her, um, high school tennis tryouts. I was up in the seven game, in the eight game pro set, seven love, literally the word love is in tennis, as people know. It's not, not a good thing, thing in tennis, tennis but, um, <laughs> and she came back and beat me 9-7, right? And, you know. And you still love her. <laughs> yeah, good for her. Lefty. I always told her she's a better athlete than me. But, um, you know, like, just something so simple. Like, that was our first encounter, like, meeting. But, um, you know, again, I obviously love sports, but sports, you know, brought that French, that was a meeting point. And, and then, then just to stay, stay friends for such a long time, time um, from 14 to today, um, you know, I celebrate her today because it's her birthday, but also I celebrate just the, the gift of who she is and, and the many ways that she loved me and I love her family, her husband and kids and her extended family too. So that's a real gift. So Anne, you do love tennis. Tell us about um, one, of the, one of the assignments that you have your class, you have your class write about. Yeah, yeah, well, I I, I, I always say tennis, tennis was my first love in sports. And I'd like to hear your answer to that question, Haley. Um, you know, you're a swimmer at Notre Dame, but I, I grew up on a swim team and I, I really, I really enjoyed it. But my dad, at, um, when I was 12, he said, Anne, I really want you to play tennis. I think it's a great sport. And he had played in college. I fell in love with tennis. I fell hard. I just, I loved it. I loved it because it's outside. You could play um, with boys and, you know, with girls and then boys, which is always exciting. Um, and I 
when, when I say I fell hard, I um, read not one but two tennis magazines. I um, had a tennis like necklace, had you know charm with like a tennis uh, racket. I had a tennis keychain, tennis ball keychain. Um, you know, all my friends. I would cultivate friendships that played tennis. I watched it all the time. And, and so, so I always think of that as part of my life because I loved it. And, and um, you know, obviously met a lot of French through playing tennis. tennis. Now, now, the interesting part of it is um, I don't play tennis anymore, um, but I still love the game. And I watch it like somebody who loved the game. So when you when you play something for a long time and then you love it, you you can't, you know, you see it through that those eyes. Um, what that's like. So I asked my students, you know, what's the first sport you played and what's the first sport that you fell in love with? So a lot of kids would say soccer and then, you know, um, as our first sport, boys and girls. But then it's it's really fun to see if it's the same response, the one that they really loved. So do you have an answer to that question? So I've been thinking about it and I, um, what I, what I really wanted to be because I loved it was a gymnast. Um, and I did participate in gymnastics when I was younger, um, but then I grew and you can't, you know, I've been five feet, eight inches since I was 10 years old, which is not very conducive to being any sort of a gymnast. Um, I, I, so I would have to say gymnastics was what I really love doing, but uh, before I started swimming, uh, ultimately, I think I just loved competing um, and I really, like most people or kids, um, I loved winning. Um, I don't know if that's something I should admit or not, but I just really loved to win. Um, I was never going to win any sort of gymnastics tournament or event, um, you know, being as tall and gangly and uncoordinated as I was. Um, so I, I really, I fell in love with swimming because I was good at it. I don't know... Yeah, that's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. Did I love the sport so I did it, or did I do the sport and was good at it so I loved it? Um, but but swimming's really always been uh, my first love. Really, the water. Um, I shouldn't say my first love. My my most passionate love for sport um, has always been swimming. Um, but it is interesting. You're right because I watch swimming with a much different eye than I would say people who haven't competed in swimming. You just you see it differently. You understand it. You know the hours and the the yardage that went into that 22 second race. And um, it is interesting to love something that is um, something that's been a part of your life. Um, but it's also interesting to have seen my kids, you know, I've talked to them a lot about the difference between loving a sport that you watch and loving a sport that you play. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my kids love football. You know, they just, they've always loved it. They've loved watching it. They play, they've played fantasy football since they were probably five. Um, and they, but, you know, my son played one year of tackle football and I wouldn't say he loved it. And I think that surprised him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, you know, he was young, probably too young at the time. But um, so we, so we've also had conversations about you can really love a sport to watch, but that doesn't necessarily mean you love to play it. Or, you know, one of my sons loves to play golf, um, but he doesn't love to watch it. Um, mm -hmm. So, so that yeah. that's an interesting dynamic too. You know, for those of us who really love something, um, you know, I do love to watch swimming, um, but but not everybody would. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, you know, ultimately, it's a gift, gift right? right? I, I, I always say this. Um, 
no one can tell you that you should love something, right? Like, as much as I may have been exposed to whatever opportunity, and thank you, Mom and Dad, for the opportunities that were given to me, if you don't take to it, right, if you don't love it, right, then, I mean, that's part of why you pursue something, and, you know, as a golfer, it's a love-hate, but that's not a bad thing either, but ultimately, it's a, it's, a gift, and I, see, I, I can't help but link that back to our Creator God, who, you know, has created so many wonderful things in this world. And you know, obviously, humanity has created these games and these ways to participate and to compete to to speak to your love. But um, it's you know, a different way to think about a relationship. So my relationship to a sport is different than my relationship to you as my friend. And you know, um, also like a, a like any sort of relationship, like a first love is always a you know a big part of people's lives, and they we always think of those people with a different vision and, and appreciation. So it's a real tender love that I have for tennis, and the way that a first love is for me, and um, it's fun to kind of frame those, but ultimately to go back and give thanks to God for that. Absolutely. Well, and moving into our spiritual stew, you know that was um, you know it's not a gospel reading for this week. Um, but in talking about love, um, you know, the one thing that, that always comes to mind, um, you know, and you, you read this in, in John's gospel and in, and in other, many other places in the Bible, you know, is, is, you know, love one another as I have loved you. And, you know, that's so simple um, and yet also very complex and rich, you know, that whole concept of loving others the way God has loved us. And, um, you know, we we at times may feel that people aren't worthy of our love, but we need to love them anyway. Um, you know, just as there are times where we're probably not worthy of God's love, but He would always know that we are. Um, and and one of the things that 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 passage, you know, love one another as I have loved you, has always reminded me of, is the mission statement that my coach at Notre Dame, Tim Welsh, had for Notre Dame swimming. And it, it's it's really kind of an interesting, you know, I, I have lived with this for the past 30 years, so I'm very familiar with the concept of a mission statement for a team. Um, but I, I think that's pretty unique to Tim. You know, I haven't heard that in too many other places. But Tim had a mission statement for Notre Dame swimming um, that he told us all the time and again, used for 30 years while he was coaching there. And that is the purpose of Notre Dame swimming is to pursue athletic excellence with self-discipline and love for one another. And and he lived that every day. And, you know, certainly as athletes coming in, um, you know, we understood the athletic excellence part. We were all there to be better athletes. Everybody wants to improve, be part of the team. Uh, the self-discipline piece, most athletes, you know, have to figure out right away or pretty quickly or else... You know, if, if you don't have self-discipline, especially as a college athlete, but really at any age, you're never going to get to that athletic excellence. You know, you really have to, to have that self-discipline. But the love for one another piece, I, I think, was so unique to Tim. And for him, that was by far the most important part of his mission statement. And and really, it is based on, um, you know, God's calling to, to love one another as I have loved you. And so to love... Uh, you know, to do everything that we do as a team, as athletes, li- with love for one another. Um, you know, he, Tim was saying to us, we can't reach these goals as a team, as individual athletes, unless li- we love one another, unless we care about one e- another. Um, and what what a great message for me and for us as teammates to hear every day at such a young age, you know, or at a very impressionable age, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old to hear our coach talking about 
loving one another. You know, that that's not necessarily verbiage that many coaches talk about on a daily basis. Um, so for me, I, you know, God's call to love one another, it, it has always reminded me of Tim. He certainly loved and still does his athletes. Um, and that's a, that's a really powerful message um, for young people and, and really for anyone. But for me, that, that was really what stuck out this week um, in, in terms of the, any sort of gospel reading is, is just God's call to love. I mean, what an incredible standard to hold an athlete to, right? That that is what, you know, so we do a lot with a mission statement or a coach's philosophy would be what we ask at St. Francis, we ask our coaches to have that. And that's the standard. And, and in particular, why I love that, because if that's the key to success, right? So the worldly definition of success is what you achieve, what you accomplish, right? Especially in athletics where it's easy to measure. And, and to say that, that yes, we're going to we're going to we're going to seek, seek excellence, but we're also going to do it in a way where love is imperative. That's the standard by which we will we will know if we have succeeded. Right? That is so important. And I've I've heard Coach Welsh talk about this um, you know philosophy mission statement. And he said, yeah, you know, you tell a bunch of seventeen, like you said, eighteen, nineteen year old young men and women and. You know, you know, it sounds, sounds weird, weird right? Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, that it's, it's really, if you're going to run any sort of program, especially I love that at Notre Dame where there's a mission that is not just about, right, being number one, it's about being the best in these ways. I, I think that that's really worth spreading and, and reflecting on. So I appreciate you passing that on. Well, it, you know, it's transformative, really. And, and that's, that's, certainly what Tim was in my life, but just, just love is transformative. You know, when you, when you truly love someone, you have the ability to transform their life in such a positive way. And, and, and I, I, I am learning and, and believe, you know, that is, that's God's gift to us as well as his love that is truly transformative um, in our lives. If we're open to it, if we're receptive to it. Um, just as we had to be receptive to Tim's concept of loving one another, we we have to be receptive and open to God's as well. And and when we are, it's transformative. Well, and that that word Healy just resonates with my piece for the spiritual stew. Is I'm thinking of I've been thinking about Charlie Brown Christmas. Now that a lot of people watch it right after on Thanksgiving, and if you remember, Charlie Brown gets the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, right? And it's this pathetic little tree. And, um, you know, only has a couple branches and you, you put the ornament on and it, you know, the branch wrinkles. Yes. And the leaves, the needles fall off. But Linus, who has a blankie, right, uh, he, he takes that blanket and he puts it at the base of the tree and he says, maybe it just needs a little love. Right. And all of a sudden you, you see this, this tree. All, all of a sudden, there's warmth, warmth right? right? And, and there's, there's like a little bit of a um, growth for this tree, a new life, life right? And, and I, I think that that is really a little bit of love can lead to that transformation. And obviously, during this time, the Gospels are filled with, you know, God's unconditional love from the Good Samaritan to the prodigal son. And um, God reveals God's love through, you know, those around us. And uh, God has no hands but our hands, no feet but our feet. Um so, so, you know, that scene, it always jumps out to me, me um, 
because, because Charlie, Charlie Brown's really frustrated, frustrated right? right? And and, and that's, that's true, true too. Like I think the people in our lives that we love, if we're, we're going to just think that they don't frustrate us and challenge us, that's not real love either. I mean, right? It's hanging in there. It's you know, we all have families, we all have siblings, we all you know. Whoever it may be, but, um, and that's, you know, obviously true for this year, 2020, right? It's just a crowd and frustration, but, um, Charlie Brown has Linus and Linus has this blanket and, you know, at that point, Charlie needs Linus and Linus gives the thing that he really loves. And that is what kind of sparks the whole, you know, uh, people starting to see this little tree a little bit differently. So. That, that might be, be a great image that I'll post in the show notes for people to look at and consider, right? Those that come in and, and bring something of themselves, um, that's just a small act of love, but it really can be transformative. Well, and it's also a reminder of, you know, what we had talked about earlier in an earlier podcast of, you know, of giving and the importance of giving something meaningful, right? That that blanket was so, what an act of love for Linus to give something so meaningful to him. Um, you know, it wasn't just a T-shirt that he was discarding anyway. It was it was something that he truly loved, and um, uh, what a meaningful gift of love, act of love for him to do as well. That is a great image that we can all all relate to and all remember. Now, now I had a blankie for many, many years. years. Yeah, yeah, so, so it, it, that, that is it's very tender. But that, <laughs> that image blindness is uh, comforting. So. Well, well, what do we have, Neely? What's um, in the melting pot for you? What's uh, any cheesy stories? So, you know, one I I you know I was thinking about um, when you were talking about your love of tennis and um, your the necklace that you wore and how you had a tennis keychain and how everybody knew you loved tennis um, because of the way you you know lived your life and you know the necklace that you wore the jewelry that you wore. And, you know, that's so true of so many things that we love outwardly, right? Everyone knew you love tennis. Anyone who meets you or I knows that we love Notre Dame. Um, you know, you, if you know me, you know I love candy corn or I, I love the Baltimore Ravens. You know, I love Arizona. You know, there, there are parts of me that people know that I love um, because we show that, because we talk about it. Um, and, I, you know, I think the challenge for me, as I'm going through this podcast, and I think the challenge for our listeners and our takeaway this week um, is really, how are we showing that we love God? Um, you know, how do we show outwardly the importance of God's love, you know, that, or that we and that we love God in return? Um, because I'll tell you, you know, I wear my green um, when Notre Dame plays, and you, you know that, but what am I doing and showing others and how I live my life that I love God. And I remember when I was younger um, and I was part of a, a mom's faith group um, when I had my first son. And it, it was one of, the, one of the questions that someone asked us was, when someone walks into your house, how quickly are they going to know that this is a Christian home? And I've always thought about that. You know, when someone comes in my house, you know, what we put on display and what we show is really what's important to us. And a lot of people have pictures of our families and that's very important. And of course we have pictures of Notre Dame and um, you know, I've seen pictures of like Monk and Notre Dame in, in your home as well. And, and so people see that, but when you walk into my house, how quickly are you gonna see that it's a Christian home, that we love God? Um, and, and so that that's always, that, that sort of ties into, to, showing and living our life in a way that shows that we love 
God also. Um, so that's what I'm taking out of the melting pot. What am I going to do this week that shows that I love God um, and that I feel loved by him? How about you? I love it. And, you know, as you're speaking, Haley, I think one of the great, you know, this is an action item. When you know somebody loves something, I just think it's the smallest thing. Like when you ask them about it. Or I remember, like, when candy corn was first available, uh, maybe in August or something, they, you know, rolled it out now. I, like, sent a picture of it to you because I'm like, I know Haley loves that. But it's just a great way to engage with people and, and also, to, like, respect what people love. Um, as long as it's a good love. You know, like, somebody recently said to me, Ann, you graduated from Notre Dame over 20 years ago. Move on from it. And I thought, wow, you don't understand, like, it's, it's not, not something I move on from. It's still totally part of my life in the way that I'm involved in our alumni club and I serve in Notre Dame Women Connect. Like, I'm, if you love something, it, it's part of your life. It's not a chapter, even though, yeah, my experience as a student, and, um, you know, that's very different as a student. But it's also a new phase as an alum, and, right, that's that's has its own gifts and joys. Absolutely. So. Yeah, respecting people for, you know, what they care about, I think is is important. And asking, and the one way to do that is asking or sharing in their delight with that. Um, oh, I love that. Okay, that's a great, that's a great takeaway as well. You know, what can we do this week that shows and recognizes um, the love that other people have um, as well? Yeah, that's great. Um, you, may, you, may be, you may be getting pictures of... Um, tennis rackets and golf clubs this week <laughs> well this is a cool story so zena garrison she was um black female tennis player in the 90s 80s 90s she won this tournament at stanford and there was a picture of the bank of the west and there's a picture of her and i looked at it and i thought oh she and i have something in common and it's not about tennis and people are like what are you talking about you could be more different she's from houston she's a black woman she's probably 15 20 years older than you and I'm like, no, no she's wearing, wearing a tennis racket necklace. I had that same necklace, right? Our, our common love. If I met her, I would like to say that to her. And I would thank her for being such a hustler, grinder on the court. And, have, anyway. and has good taste in jewelry. <laughs> right. Um, so my action item, um, I wanted to pass this on, is, okay, so one of my uh, good friends, she, she says, says that things that you bake that are made with love taste better. So, listeners, think about that. If you bake it with love, does it taste better? Now, this is um, my friend Haley makes these amazing chocolate chip oatmeal cookies and then cinnamon buns at Christmas. And they're the bomb, like to the point where even her athletes know they're really good. So, I love to bake and um, I love to give it away because you can't, you know, eat it all. But in my uh, in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, they are doing a Christmas project whereby people can donate cards, baked good, or financial offerings uh, as part of the Restorative Justice Project Ministry. Um, the cards are for inmates to send to their family. The treats are for them to enjoy, and the financial offerings are for their families. There are 800 people in the San Francisco County Jail, so San Francisco City and County. And these are people who will be separated from their families, right, without their loved ones um, during the holidays. So I'm hoping to bake and, and really be intentional about that, like make it an act of love um, for these folks and offer some prayers. So um, I was really touched to see that that was a ministry that the Archdiocese is extending to others. 
Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, and I, that's a great way for us to to wrap this up and look forward to next week too. We have, you know, the the first week of Advent is hope, and there is that hope that you are giving through through your acts of love. Um, we have our takeaways for this week to. Um, show our love, make sure that we are showing um, our love towards God as we as we live out our life. Um, I will I will partake in baking this week with you and I will throw in that special ingredient of love and we'll see if it tastes better. Um, I'm not a, a great cook or baker, but I think with love it, it might take a little better and I, and and in giving and and showing our love, um, it brings great joy. It brings great joy to us, it brings great joy to others. And that is our theme for next week as we move into our third week of Advent is is joy. So what a fun topic, what a fun topic to discuss after this topic of love, Anne. And I love that we're doing this podcast. I love that we can share it with our listeners. Um, My hope continues that we all have a beautiful Advent. And I look forward um, to next week talking with you about joy. Likewise, thank you so much, Haley. Have a great week, everyone. Welcome to Faith Fondue, a new podcast featuring me, author and speaker Haley D. Maria, and my good friend, teacher and blogger Anne Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, 